Happy New Year! Happy New Year, friends! Season 2, Episode 1. Here we are. I know, 2024. Did you set any resolutions? I think those are stupid, no. Really? I think they're so dumb and I never follow through. Really? It's like also the busiest month for gyms. That's true. And then they all fall off by February. I know. I hate starting (laughs) to go to the gym in January, which is usually when I start going to the gym. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be starting back to the gym this week. (laughs) And the gym is always like packed. And then by like the middle of February, it's dead dead again. I know. Um, So you've noticed that you, it's a different it's a different day. Well, it's the same day, but we, there wasn't an episode on Tuesday. Right. What changes me? Wait, ask me about my resolution. Oh, what is your resolution? I have a resolution. What is your resolution? My New Year's resolution. No, it's not New Year's resolution. It's my resolution for 2024, and I'm good at following through on my resolutions. <laughs> my resolution for 2024 is I'm going to get out of debt. Oh, okay. And... I already started putting it into action the last week of December. Did I not? You did. That is I true. did. Yep. That is factual. So 2024 is a hustle year. I'm going to be super, super focused and I'm going to get all of my properties paid off and my vehicle paid off. Hell yeah, girl. <laughs> you have like intense eye contact today. I know. <laughs> it's kind of like. I know boom. because it takes, it takes like intense whatever. <laughs> It's it's intense. But I did start it. I did start it the last week of January, huh? And I got... Or December. Or December. See, we're already screwing up. Already. (laughs) But I already started, so it's good. Okay, so yes, moving on. I forgot what I was saying. (laughs) Things are different now. So we're not posting on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We're doing an episode on here on Thursdays and on Patreon on Mondays. Yes. And two different genres, two different... Yeah, and the reason behind that is these episodes we're going to go a little bit more in-depth in, and they should probably usually be a little bit longer than our average episode. Last year, our episodes were usually about 35 minutes to 45 minutes. They'll probably be closer to an hour, hour and a half now. So, but the subject, there's a lot more victims usually. Yeah. So. It'll be the most notorious killers in the world. Yeah. Serial killers. In the world. (laughs) (laughs) So that is why we're doing that. So if you are just are missing us twice a week, jump over to Patreon. Yeah. There will be an episode every week. So it'll be on different things. Yep. So it won't just be murders. It won't just be. It'll be a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything, but there will be full-length episodes on there. So check that out if you're not already there. Yep. You don't want to miss out. For sure. You just love us so much that you can't get enough. And another thing that we're doing is every week we are going to be doing, what are we calling it? The trailer swap? Oh, yeah. So the trailer swap. So we have our little podcast family. Um, This year is um, swapping uh, trailers. So we will be playing a different trailer every week from kind of showing our support for for some of our friends. Yeah, for sure. And there and there's a whole group of us that are doing it. And this week, number one, number one episode of 2024 will be our original OGs yes. from over at Beyond the Shadow. Um, if you have not checked them out, do so. Ryan and Scott over there. Um, love these boys. Check this out.
Beyond the Shadows podcast. In the darkest corners of our universe lie spaces where even the light won't go. Places where terror and the unknown lurk, always waiting. Join Ryan and Scott on the Beyond the Shadows podcast as we pull back the curtain and peer into the darkness. We'll examine hauntings, true crimes, mysteries, UFOs, exorcisms, reincarnations, mysteries, and all things dark. Join us as we go Beyond the Shadows. Beyond the Shadows. Oh, that is such a great trailer. There's our it's so creepy. <laughs> I know. I love those guys. If you have not checked them out, do so. Beyond the Shadows. They are on Apple. They are on Spotify. They are on Probably every everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> everywhere that you get your podcasts. They're awesome. Also on IG. Follow them over there. Yeah, Facebook. Yep. They're awesome. <laughs> They're so cool. And we call them our tech guys. And we, we adore them. Yes. So we had to start with them first just because. It felt right. Yeah, for sure. That's where it all started for us. So anyway, moving on. I am Tracy. I'm Samantha. This is The Suspended Sentence. We can be found at Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Patreon, The Suspended Sentence Podcast. Our email address is the suspended sentence podcast at gmail.com. And you can buy Tracy's book, the first one, because the other one will probably be out later this year. IDP and the 13 Components to Criminal Thinking and Behavior, anywhere that books are sold. Perfect. What are we talking about today, Miss Thing? You ever heard of Brian, uh, Brett Ryan? No. Okay, we're going to Canada. Canada! Here we are, my friends. It's 2007. Brett Ryan is 26 years old, and he finds himself in $60,000 in debt. Oof. He is living with his family. And Perhaps he, he should set a New Year's resolution to get out of debt. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> He's living with his family in a large detached house on Conference Boulevard, not far from where Rogue River separates Scarsboro and Pickering. This is not the life that he had imagined for himself. Brett was always smiling and super polite. He volunteered at Sick Kids and refereed Little League games at his local community center. He was good looking, and he is. If you could, like, I'll post pictures on our Instagram. He's a very attractive man. And generous. Everybody said he was, like, super happy, super generous, loved to volunteer. That's just who he was. And he made friends really, really easy. After high school, he enrolled at U of T, um, but it was a little bit too much for him, so he ended up dropping out. His best friends built reputable careers in finance, health, and education. And Brett was working as a house painter, a summer job turned full-time gig, and he'd go from job to job in his old, old Dodge Dakota with nothing, uh, nothing but his worn paintbrush and a wide smile. Mm. But underneath, um, he was becoming really desperate. Really? That's 60000 in debt, man. Yeah. I mean, that's not a bad field to go into. I mean, it's, it's reputable. Yeah. But to him, his friends are yeah. working finance and education. Probably he's making six figures. Painting houses. And so he's yeah. down on himself about that. But rather than just falling into the failure, he sought to patch over the problems with cash. And on December 20th, he has a great idea. He's going to rob his first bank. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. That's not a great idea. <laughs> the CIBC at 30, three, um, 371 Old Kingston Road, just an eight-mile drive from his home, he wraps his face in hospital bandages, hangs his arm in a sling, and shuffles into the branch holding a sheaf of papers. 
At the counter, he, hold, um, he hands the teller a note indicating that he has a gun under that sling. And he's demanding at least $2,000 or more. That's it? I know, right? If I'm going to rob a bank, I'm going for more than that. Seriously. The teller quickly complies. But Brett only receives $1,115. But he feels like he's off to a good start. So Uh-oh. <laughs> he's hooked. Oh, he got away with it. Yeah. Over the next eight months, he would rob another 12 banks along the 401 and around his neighborhood, including his home branch. Oh, shit. He would steal a grand total of $28,000. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. He did good. Yeah. I mean, eight months, I mean. Doing pretty okay. Yeah. So he believes that his success is due to the fact that he had never been arrested before. He's volunteering with sick kids. He's like yeah. an upstanding citizen. Right. So police... Who would suspect him? Right. So police had obtained fingerprints from the crime scenes, but no matches that would ever turn up in their system because he'd never been in legal trouble. Right. Um, and at one point, they would have 25 officers sitting outside banks along the 401 for three weeks straight. Because they were like, he's good. this guy's going to hit again. Right. Like, it's happening too often to yeah. not. Um, hoping that the culprit might turn up. And after hitting a second, um, the second bank with the bandage disguise, he, Brett goes out and buys himself a high-quality glue-on beard from a costume supplier. <laughs> this disguise earns him the nickname, the Bearded Bandit, Oh, in the media. He also dons a Gillian hat. I don't know what that is. I don't either. Glasses, a plaid shirt, and a dark jacket. That's like his Robin Bake outfit. His, <laughs> what'd you say? Robin Bake outfit. Uh, oh, I thought you said like his Robin Hood outfit. <laughs> I was like, nice. Nice. Because he used to rob the rich and give to the poor, right? Right. I mean, yeah, he's poor. He was poor. So <laughs> after one of Brett's heists, um, the police spotted his truck on an external camera and tracked him to his home. By the time that he would enter his last bank, the TD Canada Trust at 3115 Kingston Road, police had been surveying him for weeks. Um, he must have suspected that something was up, though, because he strode into the bank and quickly turned around and walked out without robbing them. Where he had the police were standing outside waiting for him, he immediately pled guilty to robbing the banks and would spend the next seven months in custody awaiting trial. Why did they plead guilty? They didn't have him on anything. He didn't rob him. He was like, yeah, no. It was just a coincidence that he looked like him. Totally did that, my guy. So one day in January of um, 2009, Brett sat in a small windowless courtroom in Ontario Court of Justice in Ingleton Avenue. On on Ingleton Avenue, sorry. Several of his close friends had written letters of support detailing his generosity, his volunteer work. And Justice Paul Robertson um, cited Brett's quote, stellar background in his sentencing report. This is a quote from the judge. He is a person who has integrity, who has given himself to his community, who has given himself to others, and is a truly productive member of society. You are not a youth, but you are, in my view, or in my view, youthful, Robertson told Brett. He did have a sweet face. His skin was creased from his big, goofy smile with his deep-set dimples that made his cheeks puff when, um, when he would mug for the camera. Uh, his eyes were intelligent and warm, and when he was younger, he kept a shaggy surfer-like hair. Mm-hmm. But he had switched this up and now was going for, like, the spiky gel look, right? You know, it's nice. like early 2000s. Yeah. Like, that's the look. He was not the guy that you would expect. He, would, he was the guy you would expect at the boardwalk, not out Robin Banks. Mm. He's, like, blonde, beautiful man that's, like, yeah, you know? 
So Judge Robertson concluded that the crimes were, quote, completely out of this man's character. He sentenced Brett to five years, but with time served and early parole. He was back home with his family by 2010. So he served three of his five years. Okay. And he was ready for a fresh start. He's like, okay, I learned, learned my lesson. No more Robin Banks. Did he get to keep the money? Nope. He had to pay that back. Oh, dang it. But outside prison walls, Brett found a harsher world than what he had known before. Can I just add something right here? Yeah, go ahead. Like, recently, like in the last few years, there were some banks that were robbed over in Jackson. And I remember watching it on TV being like, I'm not glorifying crime here, but I was like, dude, you got some mad skills to be able to rob a bank in the 2000s. Yeah, with technology and With everything. technology and surveillance and monitoring and face mm-hmm. recognition and outside cameras and everybody having ring doorbells and da-da-da-da-da. Like, if you can get away with robbing a bank in 2023, you should be able let to them it. go. You should just let, get to keep yeah, it. Yeah, let them, like, train you on how to <laughs> up security, Literally. right? Literally. Keep the money as your payment. So, I'm just saying. I agree. Um, so, he had to repay all that money, right? But he right. still has a $60,000 in debt. Oh. So, he's out of jail. He's like, I'm still kind of fucked, man. Like, you know? So, he could no longer avoid these debts, and he filed for bankruptcy. He couldn't hide his past from persp- um, prospective employers who could just easily Google him now. It's 2010. Right. Um, he tried to um, resume his house painting businesses, but most potential clients wouldn't let them into their homes after they learned of his record. Aww. He's a thief, right? So Yeah, but from banks, not from houses. Yeah. Listen know. to me justifying, You're justifying it. it. <laughs> As he approached White collar crimes aren't crimes. <laughs> Just kidding. Just joking. Side eye. <laughs> As he approached his thirtieth birthday, he couldn't escape the self inflected realities of his life. He was bankrupt. He was a bankrupt ex-con with a high school education and no prospects. Mm. His family had been shocked and mortified by Brett's actions, and his father Bill, who worked as the budget manager at the Toronto Star, um, Bill was quiet and health conscious. Also taught a fitness class at his local community center, and otherwise really just kind of kept to himself. Brett's mother Sue was a bubbly yet firm, tough homemaker and a lifelong gardener. That was like her thing, right? She mm-hmm. raised babies and she gardened. That I was love her that. Deal. She was also a die-hard baseball fan, and when her beloved Toronto Blue Jays won the World Series in 1993, she marched up and down the street with banging pots and pans. Oh, I love a it. Woman after my own heart. Uh, seriously. Um. So Brett was the third, uh, the third of four brothers. The eldest, Chris, worked as a, at a T. As a TTC fair collector, he was shy, um, but had a very goofy side And people, to the people that knew him really well. They were like, he's kind of a goof, but he's kind of shy, but he's, like, goofy. Um, then would come Leland, the artistic one, who was two and a half years older than Brett, and he played guitars and drums and studied photography at Ryson and would also restore vintage cabinets. The youngest, AJ, was six years Brett's junior. He stood out as the intellectual. He excelled highly in, ac- in academics that his parents sent him to a school for gifted students. Oh, wow. Yeah. Friends and neighbors remember Brett as the ag- outgoing jock. So they really got, like, the oh. perfect mix of every yeah. child, didn't they? They got every kind of kid. Right, which is, like, interesting. Yeah. Um, but he was, like, the outgoing jock of the bunch. An extrovert um, in a family of introverts. 
and he suffered periodic bouts of depression, but he preferred to keep his problems to himself. He wanted to project an image of strength and positivity, and he really wanted to be admired, not pitied. Like, that was Brett's whole like, attitude. Sure. Sue Ryan was bothered by the fact that her neighbors were starting to gossip about the family. She said, this neighborhood is bad luck, she told her friend. She and Bill then would decide to sell their large home and buy a smaller post-war bungalow on Lance Lawn Dale Road in Scarsboro. The Ryans made the, um, the bungalow their home and made the best out of it. Sue said about transforming the front yard into an elaborate display garden with flowering perennials, small shrubs, and statues of cats. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> I know. The project would take her six years to complete. And despite her arthritis, she was out working every single day that it was warm. Aww. The whole time, she kept Brett's history a secret from her new neighbors. Because all the, in her, like, neighborhood that she, like, had raised her kids in, they're all like, oh, Brett, the thief, yeah. you know? Lonsdale was a quiet street, and a familiar calm settled over the Ryan's lives. Brett knuckled down and started to take the steps um, that he could to achieve success that he had envisioned for himself. He worked low-paying retail jobs. And with some financial help from his parents, he re-enrolled in the University of Toronto to pursue a degree in biophysics. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was also, um, took it, made an effort to be more open with his family. Um, he visited a psycho psychologist who told him the chief lesson from his robberies was that if he wanted to avoid further trouble, that he needed to be honest with those that were around him, like that were closest to him. In t September of 2011, a friend set Brett up on a blind date with a woman named Kristen Black Baxter, an athletic blonde physiotherapist. I don't know what that is. Oh, wow. That seems smart. Yeah. It's a big word. Yeah. <laughs> they met for the first time at the corner of York and Queens Quarry, not far from her water waterfront condo. Kristen lived the kind of blissful, normal life that Brett wanted for himself. Um, she had a really good job. She had a really nice house. She loved hiking and traveling and walking her wheat and terrier poodle mix. Aww. And they looked like the perfect couple. Right. Like, she's this, like, beautiful blonde. He's, like, this surfer boy. Like, they're the kind of couple you, like, get in when you buy a frame. Yeah. That's literally, <laughs> I will post the pictures, that's what they look like. Yeah. Kristen knew about Brett's criminal past, but the history didn't stop her from falling madly in love with him. So in January of 2013, he moved into her condo building across from the power plant gallery, the glassy downtown tower with dramatic change from his family's suburban bungalow. Kristen's condo was small at only 549 square feet, but it offered gorgeous views of the lake beyond um, the Toronto Islands. And Brett could barbecue on the roof, wa um, watch the planes land at Billy Bishop Airport, and swim in the indoor-outdoor pool on the second floor. They would travel frequently, visiting tropical locations. Wow. So his life's, like, turning around for him. Yeah, for sure. Roughly a year after Brett moved in with Kristen, his father would die. Brett would take care, from here out, would take care of his mom, helping her with uh, some of the administrative tasks that Bill had been taking care of. Um, and also performing odd jobs around the house for some extra cash. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't, wanna, I don't know that I would ever come over here and be like, yeah, yeah, I'll help you with that. Right. 20 bucks. Yeah. However, if you came over and helped you with something and I knew that you were financially in trouble and I handed you a 20 or a 50 and you would say, no, thank you. And I would force you to take it. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. as, as, as your mother yeah. and as his mother, it would be like, come and help me do this and I'll give you, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's valid, I guess. 
Um, and as we, like you just said, he needed that money. So he'd recently proposed to Kristen with a princess cut diamond surrounded by halos of smaller diamonds. Oh, wow. Again, he's $60,000 in debt, but I mean, it's not my business. Right, but a girl like that, you don't get a plastic band from Walmart. Right. So once again, his finances are unraveling. Absolutely. <laughs> and his bank account was um, completely empty. There was nothing in it. He began a web of lies again. 2015, he dropped out of college again. Yeah. Um, he doesn't tell his fiance Kristen, this, and his family believed that he was still pursuing these studies. Spring of 2016, Brett caught a lucky break and got a job at the Toronto tech firm. At last, it looked like he was finally going to escape the low-wage work and start earning a real income. He celebrated this victory with Kristen and his family, but within days of hiring him, his new employer discovered his previous life as the bearded bandit and rescinded their offer. Oh, no. Rather than admit this, he let the family believe that every day he was getting up and going to this job. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Brett and Kristen are planning their wedding for September 16th of 2016. Right around the anniversary of their first day in 2011. They were going to be married at Ancaster Mill, a rustic creekside venue near Hamilton, with a $100 plated service per person. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Brett, Brett plans his bachelor um, weekend in, for August with some friends, and the couple had actually also been hoping to move into um, move out of their tiny condo after they get married into a nice house. So they're house hunting as well. Oh, my God, the financial pressure of all of this. Yeah. Um, and Brett was making his mom really proud, right? Because she doesn't know that he's not going to school and not working. She thinks right. he's doing all these things. Sue often bragged about his successes to her neighbors. She told them about his university degree, his amazing job, his downtown condo, and his upcoming wedding. At the same time, he was relying more and more heavily on her for help. With so many financial demands on the horizon, he pressed her to get paid for her jobs around the house. Oh, no. Sue did what she could for him and she because um, she was so grateful for how far he'd came. Yeah. Even with his mother's help, though, Brett's situation was becoming dire. Less than a month before the wedding, after a year of piling lie upon lie, Brett fi um, followed his um, psychologist's advice, and he told his mother the truth about what was really going on. Um, he knew... Um, he had to get a job, and he needed her support until he could make that happen. Instead of a bailout. Oh, he wasn't working at this all, whole time? At all. He was getting dressed and pretending like he was going to work. And he, doing what? Great question. He wasn't working this entire time. Oh, no. $10 an hour is better than $0 an hour, Brett. I know. But instead of the bailout that he was expecting from his mother, she gave him an ultimatum. Tell Kristen everything, or Sue was going to do it herself. Oh, shit. Um, she would give him money after he came clean. Oh, no. Because it's a month before their wedding. She's right. like, be honest with the woman you're about to spend your life with, and then I'll bail you out. But I'm not bailing you out before then. Right. For Brett, telling Kristen the truth was the worst possible scenario. Right. She might leave him, and then he'd be forced to return to that tiny house in Lawndale with his mother and his brothers. He'd be destitute, reliving um, his history of failure that he seemed so terribly unfair for the nice guy that who had always done so much for everyone else. But, you know, if he would have just been honest in the beginning and been like they rescinded it because they found out about she would understand that. Right. 
She's not going to not, she's not going to understand. She loves you. you and knows that you're a bank robber. Like. She knows about your past. It's not like that was hidden. Like if you were just honest from the beginning, mm -hmm. it would like, that's understandable. She would have gotten that. I mean, she agreed to marry him when he was broke. Right. I mean, that isn't going to change, right? I agree. But now it He's will. He's too deep in. But He's now it will. Yeah. In. And he took this as he was way too close to a dream, like achieving his dream life, right? He's got the girl. He's got the house. He's got the lie. She makes great money to Jesus. solve financial problems. So he wasn't going to allow his mother to drag him down. So he decided he needed to kill her. Oh, my God. Plot twist, friends. We saw that coming, right? No. Oh. Oh. I thought we saw that coming. No, yep. his mama is so cute. I know, I love Sue. So Brett needed a weapon. And no. the conditions of his sentencing made it illegal for him to acquire, or acquire a firearm because he's a felon. So he can't have, can't have guns. So he decided on a crossbow. Which does not require a license and can be purchased by anyone over the age of 18. He chose a Baronet Recruiter Youth 30, which is the cheapest and lightest crossbow available in Canada. This is designed for teenage hunters. Yeah. Um, and the Barrett shoots at hundred shoots at 140 feet per second. Mm-hmm. On Amazon, this costs about $288, but Brett bought it secondhand in order to avoid a potentially incriminating record of the purchase. In the days after this ultimatum, Brett continued to visit his mother's home and work on the renovation projects. During one of those trips... He stashed the crossbow in her garage behind some tools on the top shelf. He and his brothers had recently renovated their mom's kitchen, and the garage was a complete lit mess, with old flooring um, heaped up in the center, so no one was going to be poking around and finding it. August 25th of 2016, it was a sweltering hot day, high humidity and thunderstorms. In the morning, Brett and Kristen got ready for work, because she thinks he's going to work. Let's drill that in again. So she goes to her practice, and he goes to his emergency job at the tech company. The sun was pouring through, um, from the Florida ceiling windows as Kristen left at 7.30 a.m. When she was gone, Brett got to work building a device that he hoped would provide him an alibi for the day. It's actually... Like, he's smart. This guy's smart. First, he opened his laptop and propped it against the wall with two, two five-pound weights. He then duct-taped a wooden spoon to a black fan and placed it so that the tip of the spoon lined up with the laptop's enter key. He plugged the cord into a digital timer, like the kind used for Christmas lights. Mm -hmm. And when the timer was activated, the fan would turn on and the spoon would click on the cursor hovering about the, above the icon that would open YouTube. Oh my God. Next, he takes two more portable fans, also plugged into digital timers, screws them onto a wooden board, which he placed on the granite countertop of the kitchen island. He taped, I um, mean, you know, like stylus pens. Mm hmm um, to the casings of the fans, and then Brett screwed the smart screwed a smartphone and a tablet to other wooden boards. So when the screens, um, so that the screens faced the fans, and when the timer went off, the fans would turn on. The stylus would tap the phone on the tablet, and each would send out a pre-typed text message: one thanking a friend for a real estate tip, and the other for home repair. Oh my God. These timers were rigged to go off at various points that afternoon, and the devices were set up so that um, they wouldn't go to sleep while he was away. He designed this to leave a digital trace for the yeah. police to triangulate him at home. That's smart. Smart. 
no matter what happened that day, he would be able to say that he stayed home the entire day watching YouTube, sending emails, and sending text messages. Oh, my God. Giving him a digital alibi. Despite the, um, despite the blistering heat, Brett put on two pairs of jeans before leaving the house. He packed a gym bag with his familiar disguise, you know, his, yeah. his bank robbing one, some spare clothing, a wig, a bucket hat, just like the ones he'd been wearing in the bank robbery. He threw in um, a broad, broad head bolts for a crossbow. Yeah. So that's what the tips, right? Yeah. You know crossbows, so yeah. about to turn to you for some things. In order for this elaborate alibi to work, Brett needed to leave the condo building without showing up on any of the security cameras that were in the elevators, the lobby, and the parking lot. So this left him one route. He went 14 flights down the stairwell, and then he'd have to go out the back alley. There is a few cameras out there, but he eyeballed which way they were um, pointed and took the path that he was undercover. He then headed to, um, to GO Terminal, took a train to Ingleton Station, where he would walk 10 miles or 10 minutes to his mom's house. He arrived at 10 Lonsdale Road around 10 a.m. Sue was not expecting him that morning. She had just canceled her plans to go to the CNE with her neighbor Mary, who had a cold. So I think that's like a pharmacy type thing. Think she was like sick, so she's taking her sick friend to the doctor or pharmacy. I don't know what CNE is. So Canada listeners, let me know what that is. <laughs> Brett hoped Sue might be able to see his perspective, so he was like, "I'm not gonna just like show up and kill her. I'm gonna like try and reason with my mom. Maybe she'll bail me out. Maybe she'll have a change of heart." But she held her ground. She promised out Kristen if um, Brett didn't. The argument got heated. And Sue called her eldest son, Chris, on the, her cell phone, asking him to come help her handle her his, uh, handle his brother. Oops. Brett realized the situation was getting away from him, and he marched out the back door and headed for the garage, and Sue followed. Crossbows are pretty difficult to load, correct? Yeah. If you don't know what you're doing? Yeah. Um, and with only a few steps between the house and the garage, Brett didn't have enough time to cock the string and fit the bolt in place before his mom entered the garage. Instead, he just grabbed that broad head bolt with three sharp serrated blades and he stabbed her in the, in the cheek and in her ear. Oh my God. You're talking about the, the arrow. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not a bolt, it's an arrow, that's right? That's what it was. Yeah, I don't know. That's what they call it. Oh my God. But it's just the tip. He's just holding the tip of it, it's not attached to anything. You know how you can change out the tips of a crossbow? Yeah. How did he stab her with that? I don't know. Because that wouldn't go very deep. I don't know. Well, if that didn't... I mean, look at... I have an arrow right here. Look at the tips on that. Yeah, I don't... I don't... Well, that didn't kill her. So. No, it wouldn't kill her. It, it caught her off guard, though. Yeah. I mean, it'll... I mean... Oh, it'll cut you. It'll cut you, but it's not going to cut you deep enough to kill you. Oh. So, he then wrestles her to the ground. Um behind that pile of hardwood flooring left over from the kitchen renovations as she struggled some of the flooring fell on top of her he took a piece of yellow nylon rope and then strangled her oh my god brett what are you doing so after brett stabs and strangles his mother to death he sets about cocking his crossbow and getting ready he knew his brother chris was on his way because she had called him and he needed to prepare for that he braced the crossbow nose down to the ground, inserted the ball of his foot onto the stirrup to hold it in place, mm -hmm. 
Then he prepared a simple caulking device, two hooks that attach to the strings on either side of the barrel and small handles just above the hooks to pull the string into the firing mechanism. The crossbow is pretty You've simple. You've seen a crossbow, right? Yeah. Like, I don't have a crossbow. You used to. No, I've never had a crossbow. I don't. Sh- sh- I have regular bows, compound bows, but I've, I don't have a crossbow. Huh. But I've shot a crossbow before. My ex-husband had one. Oh, that's who had one. Right. Okay. Like, so you, you point it down and you like put your feet on it to hold it. And it takes two hands to pull the string back. And it's a trigger that you pull to get the string to release and the arrow to shoot. Mm. So, but if he didn't have the tips on his arrows, I mean, he had to, he had to screw on an arrow. He had to screw on the tip on the arrow. Cause that's what that broadhead thing is that he shoved in his mama's face. Holy shit. So, like you just said, the loading process is the hardest part of the crossbow. After that, they're very easy to Yeah, you pull a trigger. You pull the trigger, it's done. Yeah. Um, So, anybody can reasonably accurately learn how to do this by just watching a couple YouTube videos. Oh, yeah. Easy. Very easy. Mm -hmm. Um, In just a couple minutes of practicing. When Chris came into the garage, Brett... um, stepped up quietly behind him and fired at very close range. Oh, damn. Um, so that the three blades went through Chris's neck and lodged into his mouth. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Brett barely had to squeeze the trigger. All it needed was a light touch, yep. and his brother died instantly. Yep. By this point, the gravel and sawdust floor was completely covered in blood. Oh, yeah. He just murdered two people. Um, so Brett grabbed his brother's body and stacked him on top of his mother and then took a heap of hardwood flooring, dropped it on top of him, took a tarp, covered him up. Um, and he could have stuffed his bloody outer jeans into his gym bag at this point. Other than the fact that his brother AJ came home. Oh, shit. Unexpectedly. Oh, no. Brett exited the garage to meet AJ in the um, walkway of the, by the back door. He was carrying another crossbow, um, crossbow bolt in his fist. And by this point, he realized he'd gone too far during the, down this path that he had to just see it through. So, he stabbed AJ in the neck, who then collapsed in the driveway. Oh my god, Brett! What happened? Brett's third brother, Leland, had been taking a nap in his bedroom. He had heard the altercation and went outside to see what was going on. No. When he saw his youngest brother bleeding on the ground, he ran inside and called 911. Brett followed him into the house and attacked him. What ensued was a ghastly struggle for survival, and the two brothers stumbled chaotically throughout the house, down the hallways, into different bedrooms, fighting, kicking furniture as they went. They snapped an end table. They threw each other against Leland's bedroom door. Brett was completely soaked in the blood of his family members, and Leland sustained head wound and that was bleeding profusely. Um, as they fought, they left a trail of blood on the walls, the floors, the doors. Oh, my God. The ceilings. There's blood everywhere. Meanwhile, AJ isn't dead because, again, he stabbed him with the, just, the, just the tip of it. Right. So he's got a neck. I mean, you don't have to stab somebody too deep in the neck no. to... Caused some serious damage. Right, but he's not dead. He is crawling down the driveway towards the street. He had made it so far as far as the front of the house when Leland escaped from his brother and ran outside, where he found AJ still alive, bleeding in the driveway. 
When Brett was with Brett in pursuit, Leland ran across the street to get help from his mom's friend, Warren and Marie, Marie who she was supposed to meet. Yeah. And he hammered on the door. When Warren answered, Leland tumbled into his arms. Call 911. My brother's bleeding in the driveway. Make sure the police come. Please make the police come. After relaying this message, Leland promptly passed out from his head wound. Defeated, Brett got a bottle of water from the fridge. Didn't bother to shut it. Returned to the front stoop where he sat and he calmly waited for the police to arrive. AJ was still alive when first responding officer came to the scene, but he died before the paramedics could get there. This is a quote from Brett. I should have just taken him to the hospital. He told police, there's a couple people dead in the garage. Crossbow to the head. It was me that did it. Shortly after Brett was apprehended, Toronto police entered Kristen's condo on Queen's Quay and discovered the homemade alibi device, but they weren't sure if this was what it was it kind of looks like a booby trap right bombs or something so they called um the chemical bio chemical radiochemic nuclear explosive team holy shit (laughs) also known as cbrne who unplugged the fans (laughs) imagine calling in this like crazy i mean i get they don't know if it's like a bomb or not but like that's a wild name (laughs) Um, to disassemble it. So, um, Brett hired John Goodson, Toronto criminal lawyer known as Mr. Murder, who had a long track record of defending accused killers. Brett waived the standard preliminary questioning and immediately pled guilty again. I mean, he always owns up to what he does. He always, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Um, he was convicted of second degree murder of the death of his mother. He claimed that during the argument, he went to get the crossbow from the garage to threaten to kill her, not actually kill her. Bullshit. And then it just got out of hand. Bullshit. He pled guilty to first-degree murder of Chris since he had hidden and waited for, waited for his brother to arrive before executing him. For AJ, he was convicted of second-degree murder since the victim had shown up unexpectedly. At his second um, sentencing, Brett addressed the court. He sniffled through tears, his wife, voice wavering. He said, I can't, I can only begin, can only begin with how sorry I am for what I've done. He said he was sick with grief, though he couldn't imagine what his friends and surviving brother was going through. Quote, the time um, now does not belong to me, but I'll make the most of every opportunity I'm afforded. He promised to everyone for all of this. I am so sorry. So it's the same judge from his oh, robbery one. Oh, man. <laughs> who outlined the reasons for his sentencing. He expressed admiration for Brett's presentation in court. He um, complimented his sincerity and willingness to be accountable for his deeds. Um, And he determined that Brett was not just the author of this tragedy, but one of its victims. A good man who had done um, something extraordinarily heinous, Brett had been caught in a simple wet of lies, the judge concluded. I have no hesitation that Mr. Ryan is very remorseful for his actions. And Brett received concurrent life sentences for each of the murders, plus 10 years for attempting to murder his brother Leland. He will be eligible for parole in 2041, at which point he'll be 60. Right, um, Leland Ryan, Brett's sole surviving brother, told the court what it was, um, what it was like to see his entire family slaughtered by his brother. 
He described a life shattering, shattered by trauma. He now suffers from severe anxiety. He struggles to leave the house at all, and he can barely sleep or concentrate. Above all, he thinks of his little brother, AJ, taking his last breaths, bleeding out in the driveway. Oh my god. No, I don't know where the hell Kristen went. This bitch is not brought up ever again. I did some deep diving. I was like, Kristen, what were your thoughts of your, like, love of your life? Fucking slaughtering his entire family. Couldn't find anything. The only thing I could find about Kristen is that she worked at Mount Sinai in Toronto from 2009 till 2021. That's all I got. Got nothing else for you. She She never made a statement. She never anything. She didn't go and marry him in jail? She just disappeared. Uh, but apparently she's at Mount, 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 Mount Sinai. But, like, you don't have an opinion? You weren't like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. Holy That's a shit. crazy story. Oh, my God. That is wild. Is that not the craziest thing you've ever heard? Tell me everything because you were so quiet. You let me just like give it to you. You did really good. Thanks. You told that story well. Bank (laughs) robber turned executioner. Well, I mean like in the beginning I was like, oh, well, I mean, you know, it's not like he's killing anybody. Poor freaking Sue. But, but, God damn. Justice for Sue. Holy shit. Money. Fucking A, man. Oh, my God. I'm just sorry. Did he, like, did he really think that he was not going to get, like, caught? I mean, his, his forethought there was, like, sucked. Like, there was no way. There's no amount of lying that can cover up the lie that you're telling for something so fucking stupid the job offer was pulled because they did a criminal background check like it's so easy it's like an explainable out of your control no big freaking deal situation like and all these people are dead because you just like god damn 95 percent of your family is dead because you just couldn't fucking be honest about something that wasn't even like a thing. Right. I think Ooh. that is just like the wi- most wild thing. I and then I was like it was interesting cuz I wrote this and then I got on Pinterest and I was like I like to like I look up quotes all the time. And one of the quotes that popped up was some people play victims to the crimes they committed. Yes, he's doing that. He's it's doing for that for him. Yeah. Like everybody his entire life told him what an amazing human he was. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and he's quoted saying that, like, bad things just kept happening to me, even though I'm an amazing human being. Well, like, quit playing victim. Like, you did something to get into $60,000 worth of debt. Right. You have some accountability there. Right. And really, really phenomenal people do some really shitty things. Right. Like, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you're, because he did, he did some really great things. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'm glad that the judge, I honestly thought that you were going to say that the judge let him off the hook for it. No, he, I mean, he gave him the time. I mean, he got sentenced. He, I mean, he'll be, what is that? Whatever. Not too far distant future. Yeah. Can be paroled. And I bet he well, gets Well, it's 20 years, right? 20 more years? Well, it's 2024 now, so. When, when can he get out? 
What'd you say? Let me look at that. 2041. Yeah, that's... So 15 years. 18 years. Eight. Something like that. Is that's it... not that far away. Well, I mean, and then what? I mean, seriously, and then what? If I was his brother, I'd beat the shit out of him. His brother is traumatized. And then what? What is this dude going to do? What do you think he's going to do, judge? I know. Well, even the judge, though. Oh, he's really remorseful. He's really this. He's... Yeah, I bet he is sorry. Sorry that he got caught. That's the weird thing. He doesn't, he doesn't put up a fight for either of these. I know. I'm trying he to, He walks like... out of the bank and doesn't even commit a crime that time. He's like, yeah, I've been doing that. I've been robbing these banks. That was totally me. Kills him, like, all so his So I'm family. trying to, like, diagnose him and, like, his antisocial thinking is, like, way shot to fucking hell. He's not narcissistic because he owns it. I wonder what his psychiatrist said. Like, what his diagnosis was. Bipolar, maybe? Extreme highs, extreme lows? I don't... His wife, or his fiance works in the field. She didn't see any red flags. Well, you're not objective when you're that close to somebody. You see what you want to see. But, holy shit. I just wish... Kristen? I want to know what you think, girl. She's like, I'm not. I She's don't like, anything. fuck that shit. I'm a Brett. Out. Who? I don't. I, that wasn't no, me. I didn't spend five years with that man. No, wasn't me. me. Nope. I just can't even imagine. She's like at work at freaking Mount Sinai. What they just show up and are like, hey, just a heads up. Uh, or she comes home and the bomb team is in her apartment. <laughs> That's an impressive name. You gotta give. Come on, that was pretty good. Kid. That was holy shit. That was a lot. A lot. That sounds holy shit. They don't fuck around in Canada. No, they don't. No, they don't. At least they sound smart. I don't know if they do or not. Sounds real smart. It does sound smart. I mean, I wasn't smart enough to read it correctly. Holy shit. So that is Brett Ryan. Beautiful man. Really? I loved him the first half of me reading the research. I was like, man, this guy. Yeah. You are. Kristen, you are lucky. And Kristen, you're beautiful. You're going to make some pretty babies. Yeah. Mm. Then he gets a little cray cray. Holy shit. Poor Sue. I love her. I love Sue. Poor AJ. Little baby brother AJ. I know. I mean Chris too, but like little baby AJ. At least least Chris was the only one that went fast. I don't know if that's, I mean it's better. That is better. If I'm going to be like shot with a fucking crossbow, I would hope that I die immediately. Well, and he didn't even see it coming. Right. Coward ass. Hid behind him. But like his poor mama. Yeah. Like, imagine the the way her heart broke yeah. the moment he stabbed her. Because they fought for a while. Yeah. The heart, her heartbreak yeah. that she had before she died. Ugh. I just love Sue. That's her, awful. It's a horrible story. It's a horrible story. Poor Leland. Oh, Canada. You make beautiful men. You make beautiful men. <laughs> they're crazy. <laughs> well, thanks <sighs> for bringing that. I talked all this crap and we weren't even in an hour. I just read too fast. No, that was good. You did a really good job. I had nothing to say. I was just like, what? That was wild, man. That was good. All right. Well, thank you. First episode. (laughs) Bye, guys. Stay safe.